Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I am your host, Brett Curry, and I am stoked about today's episode. You know, we talk about Amazon a lot on this show with good reason. Amazon is a major force to be reckoned with in the e-commerce space. And we talk about how to compete with Amazon, how to work when Amazon uh, is a, a consideration, which they are for everybody. But today is unique. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify and Zipify pages. If you are on Shopify, you need to check out Zipify pages. It's an easy to use, customizable drag and drop landing page builder. So now you can take your best marketing ideas, things you learned from the podcast, things you learned from Ezra Firestone and utilize those in drag and drop fashion using Zipify pages. Also check out one-click upsells, visit zipify.com. We are gonna be talking to John Fillmore from Chegg and they've had the distinct, uh, how would we say this, honor, uh, challenge of going head to head, directly head to head with Amazon and they've uh, succeeded in a lot of ways, which is really phenomenal. And so gonna be lots of lessons here on uh, branding and, and getting the right offer and connecting with your audience and all kinds of really good stuff. I can't wait to dive in. And so it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, John Fillmore. He is the chief business officer at Chegg. John, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. Really appreciate the time. I, I'm doing great. Sorry if I sound a little bit like I'm getting over a cold. I lost my voice, but uh, I'm excited to be here. You sound good, man. You sound good. And I'm, I'm, I know this is going to be awesome. So you and I actually met at the Content and Commerce Summit in LA that Digital Marketer put on. And, and uh, one of my good friends, Russ Hineberry, is the head of content there. And so he brought you on stage and interviewed you. And then you and I met, I think, in the green room, the speaker's room, and we were right. chat, chatting it up uh, and had a, had a good time there. So I was just, I was blown away by your, your story. I can't, I can't wait uh, to dive in and let let everybody hear about it. Um, because as I mentioned in the intro, you had the distinct uh, challenge of, of going head to head with, with Amazon. But before we get there, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. What, what's your background, John? How did you, how did you end up in, in e-commerce? Was this like a dream of yours since you were a child? Um, and obviously I'm being facetious, but, but how, how'd you get into e-commerce? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody just says, I'd love to be a data nerd when they're <laughs> five or six years old. That's what I told my parents. Absolutely. That's exactly yeah. it. You know, I knew it when I started calculating free throw percentages when I was in the driveway. That, that a boy. My future was set at that point in time. Now you're speaking my language. I used to be able to quote some of my favorite basketball stars' free throw percentage, which my parents thought was... So they, they used that against me. They said, okay, you have no excuse not to learn this concept because you know all these free throw percentages. Anyway. Exactly. Your parents are geniuses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for, for me, I have always been very interested in the ability to be in a business that, that we think makes a big difference. So I actually, if I go back 10 years or so, uh, I was actually working with Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger here in California. Nice. And I spent a couple of years working on public policy there, had a chance to see things from his senior staff and really be a part of some of the big reforms that we put in place there, which was incredibly gratifying. But on the flip side of it, you know, politics is, is kind of like the private sector, except if you took your company 
cut the employee base in half and you told the one half of employees that all they really cared about was making sure the other half of employees failed. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's sad, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. That that's, that's what the discourse is today. And, and I found that extraordinarily inefficient and really frustrating from a standpoint of being able to just dive in and get stuff done. So I transitioned then into consulting. I worked for, for Bain & Company Consulting, which is a phenomenal company, great culture, lots of stuff that you get done, right? Makes a huge difference with their clients. You get a chance to see really tricky business problems, help companies go to market, restructure, think about their strategy, all these different things. But on the flip side of it, you, you lose out a little bit on the, the opportunity to really own that part of the business and to really see the difference that you're making the same way you could have when you did a great public policy. Uh, so for me, the, the chance to come into e-commerce and the chance to come specifically into ed tech was, you know, kind of tacking different ways and finally finding out what was the right approach. And for me, it was, it's the private sector, it's technology, so it moves fast, there are difficult problems, you've got to constantly be innovating. But it was also something with Chegg where our overall goal in life is, how do we help students graduate? How do we help them get a better deal? And so we have that opportunity to really make a difference if we're doing our jobs right. And, and that for me was, you know, trying to kind of find that kismet approach at some point in time. And, and thankfully, I found it. Yeah, sounds like a really good fit. And I, I think that mindset of how you're trying to, to impact students and help students graduate and raise their GPA and all these things that we'll get into. One of the big reasons you guys are so successful, because you have that focus, not just about business, it's about uh, doing good while you're uh, building a, a solid business. And so uh, for those that don't know, obviously we've given, we've alluded to it a little bit that the Chegg helps students, but for those that are not familiar, can you talk a little bit about uh, what Chegg does and then what you as the chief of business operations, what you specifically do with the company? Yeah. So Chegg, if you look at the company and we'll talk a little bit about the textbook business, and that's obviously where we started and, and built this great student first brand, what we've evolved into over time and where most of our revenue comes from today is that we're a leading provider of educational services to students. And, and that can sound a little bit vague. L let me go into to an easier way to think about it is you know, for you or I, or, or I would guess most of the folks listening, you know, think about when you were in college and it was 10 p.m. and you're struggling with your homework and you look at the back of the book for that calculus answer and you have that crestfallen moment where the answer at the back of the book is completely and totally different from the jarble that I put down on my piece of paper in front of me. Yes. And there's no office hours at that point in time and everybody else is asleep and you're just sitting there dejected. I, I just skipped calculus altogether for that, that, was for a that smart reason. Way. So uh, yeah, I stopped the trigonometry and, and was done after that. So. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good way to do it. Yeah. But you could have passed your calculus class and learned it much better if Chegg had been around. I believe that. Because what we've done is we've actually built out step-by-step -step solutions to all of these problems in all of the major textbooks, in addition to which we have expert Q&A, so if we don't have your question for some reason, we have an expert that can connect with you and help you think through it step by step. 
So it's not about getting the answer. It's actually about the process and helping educate students to say, okay, how did somebody who knows how to do this really well set up the problem? Yeah. Oh, that's where I went wrong. Now right. I can get it. Now I can go forward with my homework. So we do that. We have online tutoring. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. If you're still stuck, you know, if you still just don't know what to do, or if you need help on an essay, we've got a tutor that's available for you. We've got writing help, essay help, test prep. We're now getting into helping students find internships in their first job. So we really think of it this as creating an ecosystem of every service that should be out there to students. How do we turn that on its head and make it about that direct-to-consumer experience and make it delightful for students to actually get through their homework, get through their problems, get a great job? Yeah, it's phenomenal. And then I've got you know now kids that are in you know in high school or approaching high school and going to be uh, you know getting of the age where this this service will be of use. So I'm excited that you guys are doing what you're doing. And we'll kind of look at how that evolved over time and and look at how the pieces all kind of connect. But I want to go back to the roots just a little bit because as I alluded to, you know, you guys uh, had Amazon coming at you directly and that was in the textbook business. And so Correct. can you talk a little bit about how Chegg started? Because I remember, and I, I can't remember if I told you this when we met in the green room in LA or not, but uh, I started this this marketing meetup group in like 2009 or 10. I'm fuzzy on the dates, but I think it was right around then. I actually used Chegg as an example uh, in one of my talks. I can't remember where I discovered it. But I was like, look what they're doing with textbooks. You know, this is going to be phenomenal. And talking about just the value prop and how you guys are innovating online and stuff like that. So I was kind of watching you guys from the beginning. Um, but how did you gain traction in the textbook market and, and what was your value prop in the beginning? It was a very simple value prop that we brought to students. We are student first and we are going to save you a boatload of money. Right? That's a, it sounds really simple and it is really simple. There was obviously a lot of complexity in building the business and the operations to make that work. But if you're a student and you're in a situation where it feels like everything around you is set up for somebody else, the bookstore charges whatever it wants to for the book. So I'm spending $300 now for a book that maybe I can sell back at the end of the term if the edition hasn't changed. For a fraction of what you paid for it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got all of these other things in, in the institutional world that doesn't feel like it's set up for you. So we just said, we're starting with one problem. We are going to solve this textbook problem for you. Why buy it for 300 bucks and hope you can sell it back if you can rent it for 50 bucks? So we started with that. We got very big in that. We still have uh, over 2 million customers a year that are coming in and renting textbooks off of Chegg. But we save students $500 million a year with those rentals. And that gives us this great place to have a ton of data about the student and a ton of loyalty from that student and great word of mouth because anyone who comes onto our site and finds that their $300 textbook is now 50 or 60 or 40 bucks, they're going to go tell their friends, this is the best thing you've ever found. You've got to go try out Chang. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that is word will spread quickly because the pain of buying textbooks is real and everyone experiences it. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's phenomenal. Now, uh, talk about when you guys realized Amazon was coming for you and when Amazon decided, hey, we like the textbook business and Chegg, we're coming for you. So when did you guys first realize that? And, and what was that like? What was that like being squarely in the crosshairs of Amazon 
and would, would love to hear if you have any anecdotes or you know stories of what 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 meetings were like internally or anything like that uh during that during that time period yeah it was a wild time and wild wild several years it's really been one of the things that i think is really critical for for the folks listening on this is the most important thing that Chegg did on this was that we knew Amazon would eventually come for us before they came for us. Great, great. There's there's no perfect recipe on this. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the folks who were, you know, sitting around at cable companies didn't think Amazon was going to start competing with them in entertainment. Right, right. But if you're in physical goods, if you're in e-commerce, if you're in something where a big part of your value proposition is low cost, which it was for us, you're just smarter thinking about it up. Eventually, Amazon's going to set their sights on it. Yeah, when, yeah, exactly. When Amazon comes for us, what are we going to do? And that, that makes a ton of sense because, you know, we, we heard this in other industries as well, like the automotive, auto parts for a while said, well, you know, fitment, fitment's an issue. Amazon's not going to tackle that. Well, it took them a little while and they did. And now, you know, you buy auto parts on Amazon or, or as fashion for the longest time. I, I can't remember which major retailer, maybe Sears or something like that, was talking about, uh, you know, Amazon can't, they can't figure out uh, apparel. And now Amazon is a major uh, player in the apparel space. So, so yeah, just rest assured, or, or I guess be on the alert would be a better way to phrase that, that, that Amazon is going to come for every conceivable category, grocery, whatever else. And so, uh, so yeah, so good, kudos to the Chegg team for, for not having your head buried in the sand or, or not deceiving yourself into thinking, well, textbooks, that's, that's too complex. Amazon won't come after that. Uh, exactly. And, and really, you know, credit goes to the leadership team that has been here and to, to Dan Rosenzweig, our CEO, when he came in, you know, it was really to look at it and say, okay, eventually there's going to be an enormous amount of mar margin pressure on this textbook business. What do we have that we can actually do as we want to pivot and say, how do we use that user base? We've got these college students. It's an incredibly valuable market, right? There are these people who are building loyalty to brands. They're very loyal to Chegg. What can we do? What problems for them can we solve in their college environment that they may be willing to give us permission to solve for them that can build a real high margin, high growth business for us? And so as we looked across the landscape, you know, I mentioned how we got into textbooks because it was a problem and students felt like it wasn't really being solved in a way that was student first. Well, we just started looking at what else was in that landscape. And you know, we all know, and I, I, I think we all have college professors that we look at and, and we're you know, some influential people in our lives, but the truth is for most college professors, they are not given tenure because they're great teachers. They're given tenure because they're great publishers. So that created another issue, which with the funding cuts and the way professors have to operate, office hours have been cut, students are feeling more and more left out to go figure it out on their own. And so we had these opportunities to start bringing in the learning services with students. And we said, okay, well, that's going to be the pivot. That's going to be the transition. Now, in all honesty, it sounds you know, really easy. And I, I love your question about you know, what were some of those meetings like? Because even with all of that said, when Amazon came for our textbook business, it was still almost 90% of our revenues. Right. So right. you can have a plan, but that plan doesn't do you all that much good if you go out of business before you can actually put it into place. So it was a constant war room environment. It was a constant environment for, you know, a couple of years really of saying, we've got to buy time. And I was running our textbook business at the time. I was the GM of that business. 
And I was meeting with the CEO three or four times a week, and we're just sitting down with the CEO, the CFO, you know, our head of data and technology, our head of supply chain, all of the core players to say, okay, we know with Amazon in the market, if we are going to buy time for Chegg to make this transition, even with Amazon here, we have to grow share, we have to grow revenue, and we have to take an unprofitable business and make it profitable. So laser beams going on every single part of everything we do. Where can we have an advantage versus Amazon? Where is it that we're probably not going to have an advantage, but we've just got to get more efficient if we actually want to stay in this business. And it was just a drive and it was taking everyone in the company and helping them understand this is your role. We need you to cut supply chain, supply chain costs down by 20%. If you can't do this, we cannot succeed. So all ideas on the table, there are no sacred cows, but supply chain team, that's your goal, right? Marketing team, we have got to market to students as we are the student brand, right? Amazon's your parents' brand, we are your brand, right? We've got to make it so that it's Amazon versus Chegg and the bookstore suffers because they're the ones who are still charging higher prices, right? It was literally, you know, I love uh, Ben Horowitz has this line that says, you know, there are no silver bullets, just a lot of lead bullets. And that was, <laughs> yeah. it, it's such a brilliant, I think anyone who's been in that operational mode knows it. And, and again, I would say to the folks listening, it's like, if you think there's a silver bullet to your problem, chances are, you know, you're being more in the hopeful state than the planning state. Yeah. You're, you're not going to, so you're not going to solve it if you, if you think there's a, a silver bullet and, and. I love that you guys were looking at it that way. I think a lot, a lot of people do look for the the easy button or the the quick fix or the one key that unlocks, you know, the 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 answer to how do we compete against Amazon. But the reality is, you have to look at every area of your business. And I love how you did that with every department, and you threw down the challenge and you said, "Hey, you know, marketing team, it's 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 you know us versus the the old establishment." And yes, Amazon's there as well. And and yeah, I mean, just just the way you guys framed that was was awesome. And not, not everybody's up to the challenge, you know, uh, first of all, most people would have waited longer to get in on it. And then two, you know, people probably wouldn't have done enough, um, to really make this work. And, and I want to, I want to underscore one thing really quickly before we dive into more details, you guys did something that was so brilliant that a lot of people would not, uh, do, would not have the, the vision to do. I think you guys recognized early that, that the most valuable part of your business was not the discount on textbooks, right? Those are, those are very cool value prop. It's what launched the business, uh, super, super valuable. But at this point where you were in, the, in that development, the most valuable asset you had was, was the relationship with the customer. It was, it was all of the college students that knew you and trust you and liked you. And that was the real value in the business. So, so then being able to identify that and say, okay, how can we, how can we just serve them? How can we move on to the next, the next problem? And so, was was there was there, was there talks of scrapping the textbook business altogether and just shifting, or or did you kind of always know that? I mean, it's ninety percent of your business. I, that, that I couldn't imagine trying to figure out how to replace ninety percent of your business. But were there talks of scrapping that altogether and just going in another direction, or or did you realize it was going to be still important even if it wasn't super profitable? Like I said, we had no sacred cows, so we never seriously got down that route. And I'll, I'll talk about why, because it, it gets into why textbooks are still a part of our business and still important. But certainly we said, everything's on the table. What happens if we do that? What, what do we gain? What do we lose? And it's, it's almost culturally a part of it of saying, we're not going to shoot down any idea on its face. We're going to ask the questions of, okay, well, what happens if we do X, Y, or Z? 
Now, the reason we decided to stay in textbooks was, was really twofold and two reasons it's, it's still very important to us today. You know, first was, just as you said, and I, I, I swear I'm going to take what you said, I'm going to print it out and I'm going to hand it to people, right? Like it's not the product, it's the customer. Yes, yes. And that, that book, that relationship that we build with the student, even if they don't rent from us, but they come on our site, they see that we're student first, they see that we're offering a deal. Even if they choose someone else, they now know our brand and they know that we're there for students, right? So it's something that gives us that relationship. It saves students, like I said, 500 million a year. And that's just off our site, right? By keeping prices down, by keeping the pressure on, then my guess is we probably make a billion dollar difference with students every year, right? And so that even culturally becomes very important to us because you almost don't want to give away something that, that is so important to your employees every day where they wake up and they come in and they say, you know what, even on a bad day, I know I'm making a difference for students. So that part's hugely valuable. So we just said, we've got to make it work, right? And so then once it was the, okay, we can make this profitable, uh, we can continue to gain revenue and we were able to, we gained customers, we gained revenue and we became profitable by, by just focusing on every aspect of the business. Then it was also, okay, now how do we leverage this as an asset? And there it's all about the data, right? So, you know, we come in and we get the book that you're studying on. So if you're at the University of Texas and you're studying biology, I know your biology book. I actually know at this point in time, because we've been doing this long enough, I know when you are going to be struggling on your homework because everyone struggles on the same chapter of these books. Right? So we can actually then reach out to the student and say, as we've transitioned to being this learning services company, we can go out to the student and say, hey, you're probably struggling on your biology homework right now. Do you want help? Wow. Yeah, that, that's that's fascinating. And that's so, so smart. How did you get that initial feedback? So how, how did you collect the information from the student to know that, hey, it's, you know, by the time we get to chapter five and it's this you know, whatever uh, part of the book that, that they struggle with. How did you collect that data? So because we had been already starting with the transition to say we want to be a learning services company, we just had the data in two separate places. We had the data from people who were coming in and renting that book. So and I, I'll, I'll make it a little more tangible. Let's just say it's just you and I. John Fillmore comes in and he rents a textbook from the University of Texas and he rents Campbell Biology. Brett Curry, totally separately, comes into our Chegg Study Homework Help product. He's from the University of Texas. And here's where Brett's actually looking for solutions. He's looking for solutions around how do I set up the problem for Campbell Biology Chapter 3, Problem 1. Right? So that's two people. And obviously, that's not enough data to make a connection. But when you start saying that's 200,000 people from Texas who have done this now, you can actually connect those pipelines and we've got very smart people who built a lot of these engines for places like Netflix, who their entire job and our investment in that part of our business was to say, we've got to figure out how to make this relevant, personalized for every student that comes onto our platform. That's phenomenal. So now I buy the, the textbook and then you can email me at a set time in the semester when you know I'll be covering that concept that everybody gets stuck on with with an offer with with some kind of an offer for for help sure and, and it's not just that we can email you because i think we all know you know crm has, is evolving in and of itself but we think of it as well as 
we can email you, but also we know when, because of all this data that we have now, we know when we should be targeting our display and remarketing ads towards the University of Texas students, right? So we can actually go out. You can never have walked on our site, but we can actually go out with the display ad and say, you're probably struggling here. This is the right time for us to put this ad up around these MSAs. That's brilliant, man. You got get my get my marketing wheels turning now, man. That's phenomenal. That, that's one of the things we're really pushing and helping clients innovate with is how do you harness audience data and, and look at the data you have about customers, the data that Google has about customers and really make that work. So that's that's phenomenal. And so then you're, you're able then to take what you've learned from these different campuses and, and down to the, the course even and then deploy that at universities all across the, the states, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Hey, Brett Curry here. A quick note from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the episode. So our primary underwriter is OMG Commerce, the company that I'm the co-founder and CEO of. And as many of you know, we are a Google premier partner. And in 2016, we were one of the fastest growing premier partners in the entire world. We're very proud of that. And so we build full funnel campaigns for e-commerce companies. So search, shopping, video, display campaigns, we build those out. It is now time to get ready for the holidays. And so I've got two free offers for you, a resource and then an offer. And let me talk about the, the resource first. So we just recorded a webinar with our two Google reps. So our two reps flew into our headquarters here in Springfield, Missouri. We recorded a webinar, The Ultimate Guide to Holiday Prep. We talk about campaign structure. We talk about smart bidding. We talk about budgets. We talk about feed readiness and a host of other things, some new stuff coming from Google. It's a fantastic webinar. If you'll go to omgcommerce.com forward slash learn, you'll see a link to download that webinar. I suggest you check it out, share it with your team completely free of charge. The other thing is we would love to schedule a strategy session with you. So if you feel like your campaigns are not quite ready for the holidays, we'd love to schedule a strategy session, look at how your full funnel approach is looking right now, provide suggestions, provide feedback, and potential ways we could help. So if you'd like to schedule that strategy session, go to omgcommerce.com, click on Get Started, and there'll be a form there to schedule a strategy session. Love to connect with you. And with that, back to the episode. So uh, curious, so, so getting back to kind of the, the early, you know, how you were innovating, what were some of the first things you added? So was it, was it the tutoring help that you added, like the online tutor? Or what, what was it that you added first kind of as you were innovating and evolving? The biggest one that, that we've added in terms of just it's become really the center of the flywheel for the company is our, our homework help product, which we call Chegg Study. And the, literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of students are using that at any point in time uh, to get help on their homework. But I, I would also say, and I think this is important for folks who are doing this, again, it's it's really easy in a 40-minute discussion to lay this all out. Like we just set the strategy and everything went perfect. But as important as anything is we've added multiple things that we don't offer anymore because they didn't work. Right. You know, we were doing note sharing between students in their classes and it just didn't really take off as a scalable software solution business. Which sounds like, which sounds like a great idea. I mean, as you mentioned that, you know, if, if I was in a boardroom and heard that idea laid out, I would be one to vote for testing that like homework sharing that that sounds like that could work. A absolutely. And none of these were dumb ideas. They're just not everything is going to work. And so a big part of where our, I think our company's secret sauce has been is just the resilience to say, you know, it's like a closer in baseball. 
you know, you, you blew a save today. You got to forget that move forward. So Chegg study has been huge for us. Tutors has been a, a big success for us in terms of doing online tutoring and growing that business getting into citations and writing help has been a very big business for us. Uh, we're still a little bit early, but we've announced a big partnership with Kaplan on test prep. And so now we've offered that in. So it's really just been a, a constant stream of bringing in new things a couple times a year and having a you know hit rate that's certainly well over 50% at this point in time, but realizing sometimes you're just going to, it's not going to work or, crap, it's not going to work the way you wanted it to in the timeline you wanted it to. So you've just got to double down and keep investing until it works. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that, that's crippling for entrepreneurs or, or even larger companies is they feel like before they launch something, it, it has to be a home run or it has to be a guaranteed home run. And, and the truth is, like none of us are smart enough to know that. None of us are smart enough to know if something's really going to take off. And, and almost nothing takes off like you want it to in the form you launch with, right? And occasionally, but usually you're going to have to, to, to innovate or, 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 or adjust, you know, uh, iterate on that idea, or you may have to scrap the idea altogether. And I think sometimes that, that fear of, oh, well, what if this doesn't work paralyzes people, but really the key to success is if you can get that hit rate of, you know, a little over 50%, whatever it is, that can be a winning formula, right? If you, if you're doing it, if you're doing it the right way. Exactly. Um, well, let's talk about a few things. I want to I want to dig into some some traffic discussions, some conversion discussions as well. But you mentioned you mentioned being able to target people at the campus, you know, at the set time in the semester when they're going to need help, which which is just awesome. I'm I'm in love with that idea. Uh, what what are some of your top traffic sources and any other kind of innovations like that uh, that you can share with the uh, uh, with the listeners? Our number one traffic source is organic. Yeah. Either at this point in time, because we built a, a big brand, it's either people coming directly to Chegg.com or it's people going on to SEO and finding us in free search traffic because we built out all of this great content. And, and, and are they usually looking then for a specific book at that point? So like, like a lot of your SEO traffic is, is people looking for a specific book or looking for textbooks in general? Or a lot of times looking for a specific problem. Got it. I am stuck on this exact problem and we can say we have the answers to this exact problem laid out in a way that will help you understand the material. There's an enormous amount of value on, on that side of it. And, you know, again, from a standpoint of, you know, how is this applicable, right? It, it's easy to say, hey, build a big brand and then invest millions of dollars in building out the content side of it. Right. But again, from a standpoint of when you're starting at a smaller scale or when you are, are in a turnaround situation, I think the big things that are, are applicable anywhere on it, one is, again, to say it's the focus on the customer. Right? The, the brand gets built because you are consistent every day in the way that you serve that customer. Right? Brands are like any institution. They are extraordinarily hard to build and extraordinarily easy to destroy. So you've got to have that focus day in, day out that you're going to build it. And on the content side, it, it is a little bit an element of saying, it might be painful in the short term to, to say, I'm going to have to invest in this. But in a world where everyone is turning to their phone, to their internet, to say, I'm going to search for anything in the world. How do you have that unique, relevant content that Google's going to love so that whenever your customer searches for something, they're finding you? 
Yeah. And, and it's, it's so powerful. You know, again, you guys looked at, Hey, what, what do we have? What assets do we have? And you guys had knowledge, right? Knowledge of how to solve certain problems and how to be a resource to students. And, and so, you know, what does every student do if they can't crack this calculus problem or they're, you know, they're trying to figure out the square root of something, whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, they're going to, they're going to be doing voice search on their phone or they're going to be maybe uh, plugging it in on, on their laptop or whatever the case may be. But you guys can create that content to answer that question and, and, you know, there, if you, if you look at those questions as a whole, you know, how do I solve X? How do I find this out? There is a ton of volume. And so if you can create content for even some of that, start to get traffic that could really build and, and become a, a force to be reckoned with, which sounds like that's, that's exactly what you did. Well, and, and you've got to continue to innovate on how you're bringing it in. So I, I say all that, but we're experimenting every day with new marketing channels. As a company, we just launched our first Amazon Alexa skill uh, in the past couple of weeks where you can now use flashcards. We have a flashcards product and you can now do those flashcards with Alexa. So we're constantly looking at what is going to be coming next. How do we experiment with marketing on Spotify? How do we make that work for us? How do we think about the trends that are happening in display? And I, I gave you the example of, well, display really wasn't working well for us until we figured out hey, what if we actually targeted when we were spending, what we were spending by MSA based on the data that we already know? So it's a constant battle to say, how are we innovating? How are we innovating? Yeah. And if I, I can take one more second on that. Please. All of that said, this is one of my, my favorite stories of, of how we're thinking about things at Check. With all of that said, one of the places that we're, we're actually really excited about going back and retesting right now is just the basic fundamental copywriting that we're doing for all of our ads, our emails, all of the different things that we're doing, because we're actually starting to see, we had a, a group that went in and redid some of this and we're actually starting to see conversion improvements on it. And, and what's fascinating to me about it and what, what is like, again, we do all these cool things and I'm like pounding my head on the table of, of course, is you get so focused in the innovations and so focused on what do you have to do next and the strategy of these things that sometimes you actually stop paying as much attention as you should to just the basic blocking and tackling of e-commerce. And I, it was a great, and it wasn't my idea, it was, so it's, it's not me that takes the credit on this, but it was a great idea from our team to just say, hey, maybe it's time we revisited some of this and just said, can we sharpen it a little bit and be more consistent in the way we're doing this? And it makes a difference. It does make a difference. And that's where, you you know, kind of going back to something you said earlier, you know, the, the cheap textbooks, like that simple value proposition was so powerful. And sometimes we forget that a simple tweak on a subject line, you know, for your email campaign can make a big, big difference, you know, like could, could double your open rate or, or even, even just exactly. you know, a 10% increase could, could make a big difference or, Clear, cleaning up the offer and making it a little clearer or making it seem easier, you know, things like that all, all make a difference. I'm really glad you, you mentioned that. Uh, we see the same thing on, you know, text ad copy. So little, little tweaks in the headlines can have a, a right. pretty substantial impact in click-through rate. And, and, and then you get rewarded with lower CPCs with Google. You know, it's like some of these, yeah, focusing on the blocking and tackling makes a big difference. I, lo I love that. I'm glad you, you pointed that out. Um, Good. Any, any other, any other traffic insights uh, before we kind of transition into some, some conversion tips? I think in, in the other one I would just say on this is it's kind of with, with what you just said of it's that ABT always be testing mentality on it. There really is no silver bullet. 
Right. right. There are a lot of folks out there. You know, you're one of them. Ezra's one of them. Russ is a great guy who comes up with these. There are a lot of folks out there that will give you good ideas, but I will promise you, and I, I don't mean anything negative by saying this, but Brett Curry is not going to solve all of your e-commerce problems. No way. Brett Curry is going to give you a thousand really thoughtful ways that you might approach some of your e-commerce problems. And then it's up to you to go out and say, okay, let's start playing with those. Let's test them. Let's test them in this environment. Let's test them in this holiday season. It's just continually having that intellectual curiosity about your business that says, well, what if we did this? And then figuring out the technology, and this is critically important, figuring out the technology stack that you need to make your testing nimble, to make it so that you you can do these tests all the time and you're not like, well, I can only do one A-B test a month. Right. And, and so let, let's transition then in, in looking at, you know, conversion optimization. And, and obviously that that is all centered around testing. And then actually one thing I'll, I'll add to what you were saying before it's one of those things where I think you have to look at, you know, whether it's an idea from this podcast or something that Ezra shares or Russ or whoever, you look at, okay, why did this particular idea win for, you know, the skincare business? What's the underlying principle there? How can I test something similar in my business? And and then and then iterate, you know, and, and iterate and see what, what what works, what doesn't work. And and I love the the fact you pointed out curiosity. I think some of the best business owners, best practitioners are just those that are curious. Um but so looking at looking at conversion testing, do you want to talk at all about your technology stack? That may be kind of a long conversation or, or and then also any conversion tests recently that you can talk about that, that created some real wins. Yeah, uh, the technology stack is a, a, a pretty long and drawn out conversation. <laughs> I, but I, I would just say, you know, we we are in the midst of a big implementation with Adobe. Uh, they've been great partners for us, you know, like anything. Uh, it doesn't go exactly as you hope at the first blush. And and so I'd say the big learning for us on the technology stack that's applicable to anyone is don't just get frustrated and say, okay, well, this isn't going to work or it's not working for my business or we're too complex or we do too many different things. You know, Adobe has been an incredible partner because they've doubled down with us and, and said, okay, this part of it wasn't working at first. How do we make this work for what Chegg does and the way you're going to do it so that you can be doing all of these tests as frequently as you want. And we've had to figure out some things that are going to have to be homegrown because we want to connect, you know, data on retention and chargebacks and all of these things down the road with every test that we do. So it's an ongoing process to make that technology stack perfect for us. Um, In terms of things that have been interesting lately, you know, I told you the one on copy. Uh, What's another good one? We, we've actually done, this is a, a cool one to me, just again, getting back to the sometimes simplicity rules element of this. So we, we've been using more user tweets. Uh, and what I mean by that is, so if you go on to, you know, you search Chegg study and you go on to our landing page for it, we used to use a lot of really cool uh, statistically backed uh, numbers out there of talking about how great Chegg study is for you. Right. So we've, we've done all these blind surveys and tests on it. It's like 90 percent of students get a better grade uh, on their test when they use Chegg study for their homework. Right. So it's you know helping you understand that you're you're not just getting an answer. You're getting a better way to learn all of these great things. And for a, a data nerd like myself, that's like that's the most incredible way of, of marketing your product that you could ever think of. 
Uh, and again, not my idea. So I think the, the real lesson in this is I'm an idiot, but I've <laughs> managed to work with really smart people and let them do the things they need to do. Uh, but again, a really smart idea from someone on the marketing side was we get all these incredible user tweets, right? We get all these people thanking us for how helpful our product is. Why don't we try using those instead? And so now if you go onto the Chegg study page, you'll see tweets like, you know, I got 99 problems, but math ain't one. If you ain't got Chegg study, I feel bad for you, son. And like, <laughs> you know, yeah. again, for me, my natural tendency is like, well, that doesn't tell you anything about the product, but it does better. But it's right? authentic and people, people it's know, students want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. People like me are, are getting it. This is saving them. Um, so that's been a big deal for us. Yeah. And, and you know, what, what What I think is important, you know, whether someone's a, an entrepreneur leading a small team or, or you're in a company the size of Chegg and you're, you know, director of biz operations like you are, the, the key is you don't have to come up with every idea and you shouldn't. Like none of us can do that. We can't come up with a, every good idea in our business. Like we have to be willing to listen to the right people and hear even an idea that, that, that sounds sounds right, maybe a tad bit of crazy in it. Like, do we really want user tweets out there? Um, but yeah, you got to try it. And it sounds like that works. And it, it totally makes sense. I mean, hearing from tons of other college students makes me say if I was a college student, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll dig into that. I'll look at that a little bit, a little bit closer. So, well, we are, uh, John, this has been phenomenal. And we the time flew by. There's like a thousand other questions I want to ask you right now, but we're we're up against the the clock. So if we could, like any any quick, you know, what's on the the horizon for Chegg? Anything we should be looking at or or, or paying attention to? What what's next? Well, you know, our our stock has been growing at like 150 percent in the last year and a half. So I think if you extrapolate the math, in like 10 years, we're going to be bigger than Amazon. So there, we're, yes, we are just Love that audacity. at this point yeah. in time. Now, Jeff Bezos, uh, Jeff Bezos does listen to this show, I've heard. So hopefully you're not. Yeah, crap. I just I just convinced Jeff Bezos <laughs> to shut me up. Uh, yeah. uh, I would I would I will make a plug for Jeff Bezos. I was actually at a conference this last weekend and Jeff Bezos spoke with his, his brother, Mark Bezos. Uh, if you can ever hear Jeff Bezos talk about the way he just thinks about business, the way he thinks about his teams, the way he thinks about failure, the way he thinks about planning out for the future, uh, you know, Amazon is obviously an incredible business, but but Jeff Bezos is really just about the most brilliant business thinker that that I think is out there today. Hard to overhype uh, how good of a job he's done and they've done and how, how brilliant it is. Uh, no, no doubt about it. But in terms of where Chick really is going, we we are just phenomenally excited about the path ahead of us with what we can continue to offer to students. So, you know, last month we, we just purchased a company that does uh, artificial intelligence and algorithm based equation solving. So now even if, you know, you have any equation that you're trying to solve and you have no idea how to set up the problem, we're going to be building out the solutions that say, come onto our site and we'll solve that for you step by step, right? There are so many other services and I, I certainly don't want to tip our hat of which one sure, or be sure. that, but look at everything that's around the, the student landscape. You know, how are they getting the basic skills they need to get a first job? You know, what else is out there in terms of uh, the other learning products and the way they study that they can use help and being more efficient on? Um, frankly, maybe we get back into notes at some point in time, right? Like we sure. said, just because it didn't work once doesn't mean it won't work again. Yep. Yep. Maybe the timing was off or something. You never know. We just look at it and say, there's no reason we shouldn't be expanding the pie of what we offer to students. 
There's no reason, and we already have millions of, college, of high school students that are coming onto our platform. There's no reason not to double down on serving them more. And then, you know, I mentioned it very briefly earlier, but, you know, getting students that first job, helping them understand, you know, I, I went to Missouri State and I, I studied marketing. What skills do I have that, that an employer is going to look at? And we're building out the ability to, to actually break down employer jobs into those fundamental skills and say, you know, Brett Curry, you should be looking at these companies in your region who are looking exactly for someone like you. So we just it's, you know, the, the risk of sounding a little bit hokey on it, like we are just fundamentally stoked at the idea of there's so much more we can do with the data that we have. There's so much more we can do to serve our students and there's so much more good we can do in helping them get the most out of that, that college investment and actually turn that into a great job, you know, convert that learning to earning. Yeah. Cause that's the ultimate goal. I mean, so understanding your customer, knowing that they, they do want better GPAs, they want help solving this specific problem. They, they need to save on textbooks, but ultimately all of that, all of that is to get a good job. And so, so if you can help in that piece too, that, that totally makes sense. Well, I can guarantee you one thing I'm going to be watching Chegg. I'm going to be pay, paying attention to you guys and, and just watching your marketing because you guys are doing so many brilliant things. I want to be up on it. And so kind of as we wrap up, John, is there a way someone can follow you? So if someone's kind of blown away by what you're doing, are you, are you on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn where someone could connect with you? Uh, I am on LinkedIn. It's John Fillmore on LinkedIn. I, I do not tweet a lot. I leave that to our president. Right on. And, but LinkedIn, I would love to connect with anyone. And, you know, certainly always looking, as I said, for any great ideas that others have and, and more than happy to share our experiences here. Cool. So, John, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to do this again sometime because, like I said, I've got a, a ton of additional questions I want to ask that we'll have to get into at some point. So, so thanks for taking the time to do this. Sounds great. And any time for you, Brett, but only because it's you. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. So, uh, as always, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, we do uh, want your feedback. So let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Give us ideas for topics. And uh, if you feel so inclined, I hope you feel so inclined, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people like you find this show, and that'd be phenomenal. So uh, as always, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.